0: Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hello, and thank you for joining me for the last week in our Possessed Message series. I'm Chris, and I'm super glad that you are here with me. So a little while ago, I was at the store because we needed to buy a new can opener. So I made my way to the kitchen utensil aisle where I found like eight or nine different can openers to choose from. Way too many. And I froze. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but for some reason, for me, when it comes time to make certain purchases, I just freeze up. Now, for me, it's not all purchases. Like when the car breaks down and they tell me it's gonna cost $500 to fix it, I mean, I'm like, well, I mean, that's just the cost of having a car, fix it. Or, you know, if I need a new computer, Um, That's fairly easy. You know, I'm spending hundreds of dollars anyway, so I might as well just get the computer that will last me the longest. No, the purchases that get me are the small ones. I just can't get out of my own head about spending money on it. So I'm standing there, I'm looking at all these can openers that run from like $6 to $15. And I'm literally like, which one should I get? I mean... Is it dumb to spend $15 when I could just spend six? Which can opener is gonna last the longest? You know, that one is more expensive, but will it fit in the drawer better? Do I like the lock feature on that one? Is it worth wasting an extra nine bucks on that one? And what if I have a $9 emergency? I mean, no joke. When I make small purchases like that, I just, it can, I can choke. I mean, I stood in that aisle contemplating the best can opener investment for almost 10 minutes. And after I chose one, I actually changed my mind after almost making it to the checkout aisle. And I went back to get the more expensive one. Now maybe it's different for you when it comes to spending money maybe you stress about buying the right car or shoes or maybe you stress about whether you should eat cheap at mcdonald's or eat well at chipotle or even just thinking that chipotle is eating well is crazy to you i don't know but maybe your relationship with money is a lot more challenging maybe for you you have the anxiety of of deciding between whether you're going to pay your electric bill or your rent maybe you struggle to decide between buying clothes or school supplies for your kids. But I know this, when it comes to worry and stress in our lives, money is a leading cause. I mean, it touches almost every part of our lives and every decision we make. You know, should I go back to school? Should I change jobs? Should I change my diet and exercise or move to a different house or city? Should I get a new can opener? Money is just wrapped up in all of it and how we use it determines whether we will have it to keep using it when we need it most. The thing that makes me freeze over spending an extra $9 is the fear that if I do spend it, I won't have enough money when I need it later. In our world, money is the key that unlocks doors of opportunity for people, and it's the ultimate safety net that keeps us from crashing to the ground. Honestly, I'm a little stressed right now just talking about it like this because it doesn't even really matter how much money you have. It always seems to be something to worry about. It's almost like we don't possess our money, but our money possesses us. Now over the last several weeks, we've been walking through Jesus' teaching on money and possessions. And today we find ourselves on the final and perhaps the most hopeful guidance that Jesus gave us in his teaching on this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. And this is what he says in verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. So right out of the gate, I think we need to get some context, right? So Jesus starts this off by saying, that is why I tell you. So that means that everything Jesus is about to say is a response to something that he said before. And just as a side note, okay, anytime you are reading the Bible and you see a statement like this, uh, that is why I tell you. Or you see the word therefore. You need to ask yourself what it's there for. And you need to look at what the author said before that in order to get the full context. And, and that's what we're going to do right now. And so we're going to look at Matthew six twenty four. What did Jesus say right before this? He said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So we talked about this passage uh, a lot last week. And last week we talked about how in this statement, Jesus set up money as the primary competitor with God for our affection. So money and the worry over what we have or don't have is always going to be fighting with God for our attention. And even kind of in Jesus's language, even our worship, But now look at what Jesus says in light of that statement. Okay, let's go back to verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So because money is always fighting God for your affection and attention, because of that, Jesus says, Don't worry about the things of everyday life, food, drink, clothes. So I read this and I have a couple of of thoughts about this that occurred to me right out of the gate. Okay, first off, when I'm worried about something, telling me not to worry about it doesn't feel very helpful, right? I mean, so, so you're telling me that if I'm worried about not having enough money to make it, that I should just stop doing that. Well, I mean, thanks, Jesus. I wish I'd thought of that before. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't just turn off my worry like a light switch. And then the second thought that pops in my mind is, is that whether I have food or clothes, it, it kind of does feel like that's the most important thing of life, doesn't it? I mean, not being naked and not starving to death, those are just baseline necessities of life, right? And much of Jesus' ministry in the first century was to people who were materially poor, who would have been thinking and worrying about these things a lot. And they must have had these same thoughts that I do. So what does Jesus mean by this? What is he really saying to us? Let's keep going in verse 26. Jesus continues. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? I think it's interesting that in comparing how God provides food for birds to how much more he will provide for us, that Jesus' main concern actually seems to be less about the provision, but more on how worried we are over our provision. It's as if the real problem that he wants to deal with is not that we don't have enough, but that we are overcome with worry and anxiety. He he continues with that worry word again in verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So again, Jesus addresses our worry about having enough or not having enough by appealing to how God takes care of his creation in nature. First birds and then flowers. And then Jesus makes this crucial connection for us with the very last question in that verse. And he asks this, Why do you have so little faith? You see... Worry is intricately tied to our faith. Why? Because worry is the barometer of what we care about the most. We worry about what we treasure and we are devoted to what we worry about. And Jesus draws a straight line between our worry and our lack of faith in God. I mean, do birds worry about what they're going to eat? No. Do flowers worry about how they look? Of course not. Although if flowers were sentient and had consciousness enough to worry about how they looked, that would be terrifying and that would create a whole new batch of things for me to worry about. But I don't want to worry about that right now because Jesus's point is that there is a creator who cares about the birds and the flowers, who provides for them. And that creator cares about you so much more. That's why Jesus continues, and he says this in verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And again, there's that word. Jesus says, don't worry. But now we have a little more understanding of of how he can say that, because God loves you. He sees you. God knows your needs. And he doesn't want you to live a life of stress and worry, but he wants you to live a life of faith and trust in him. And understanding this, it's huge and it's transformative, but, but it also may still not be totally practical. You know, knowing that God cares about our needs is helpful. But if, again, if stop doing that could make worry and anxiety go away, we would all be doing that already. I personally, I need something proactive and practical to do, an action step, not just don't worry, tell me what to do. And Jesus gives us that action step in verse 33. He says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you are worried about money, that you won't have enough, that you won't be okay, that everything is going to fall apart, Jesus says this, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and God will give you everything you need. The antidote to worrying about whether or not you will have enough for yourself, for your kids, for your home, is to take attention and energy off of yourself and invest it into the kingdom of God. And we know what seeking the kingdom of God is in this context because Jesus told us in the teaching that preceded this, in all the teachings we've been talking about over the last several weeks, he taught us to store our treasure up in heaven. And how do we store treasure up in heaven? Look at Luke 12, Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. We talked about this last week, but that this extended teaching on money and possessions that Jesus has been giving us in the Sermon on the Mount, It has all been Jesus pointing us to prioritize the care of others over the care of ourselves, to look to the needs of others over our own comforts. And and what's amazing is that when he says seek the kingdom, Jesus is not saying read your Bible and pray every day and then God will meet all your needs. That is not it. He's telling us that loving your neighbor is far more valuable than loving things and to invest in people, not things. That's the wisdom of the kingdom of God. I mean, look at it this way. Birds and flowers live out their purpose, and God cares for them. They just do what they were created to do, and God takes care of them. And in the same way that birds and flowers live out their purpose, and God cares for them, when we live out our kingdom purpose, God cares for us. And our kingdom purpose is to care for others, to love our neighbor as ourself. And listen, if you're tired of hearing that principle over and over again, love our neighbor as ourself, then Jesus might not be for you. Because everything he did and taught keeps bringing us back to that. The entirety of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been walking through is pointing to the reality that all of the religion in the world won't matter if you don't actively and tangibly love your neighbor as yourself. You've heard this this idiom, this statement, that God helps those who help themselves, right? You've heard that? Well, it's wrong. God takes care of those who take care of others. When when we live out the kingdom purpose for which we were created— And that is to love each other, to care for each other, to bring restoration to our relationships with others, and to seek justice for those who don't have it. When we do that, God takes care of us because we're investing in what he cares the most about, people. And then Jesus wraps all this up with the final line of this teaching in verse 34. He says, so don't worry. Again, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry. So let's recap what we need to know and what we need to do in order to not worry, in order to live a life of peace and to live a life of purpose the way that God created us to. Okay, so what do I need to know? We need to know that God knows your needs, and He cares about them. God sees you. You are so precious and valuable to Him. The second thing we need to know is that worry doesn't work. It doesn't make your situation better. It doesn't put money in your bank account, and it doesn't add a day to your life. Worry gives you maybe something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. God wants to move you from a place of worry to a place of faith and trust. So that's what we need to know. Now, what what do we need to do? It's this, give to help people in need. I mean, we laid out these principles in last week's message specifically, but, but identify people in your life who need help and invest in helping them. Give to your local church, support organizations that are doing the good work of helping people already. It may help us, I think, to change the question that we ask ourselves about this, because our default state is to live by asking this question, if I don't take care of me, who will? I think we need to change that question and begin asking ourselves, if I don't take care of them, who will? Our kingdom purpose is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we are living out the purpose God gave us, He will take care of us. Look, if you're watching this, if you're with me and you're struggling financially right now, and you are overwhelmed with worry, I want you to know we love you and we are with you. And I would love you to do a couple things. First, this. If you need help, let us know by filling out a connection card. We want to help you in any way that we can because you are our neighbor and we love you. But I also want to ask you if you're struggling with worry to find a way to look up to see the people around you. You may not be able to do what others can because you just don't have the resources, but find a way even in your need to meet someone else's need. Live into the cycle of God's provision by stepping into your kingdom purpose of caring for others. Because as we all together live out this cycle of generosity and care for others, we are living the kingdom of God into being on earth as it is in heaven. We are both asking God for our daily bread and being used by God to provide that daily bread for others. We are showing the world who Jesus is and that we are his in the way that we love. And that's the church that I want Compass to be. That's the kind of follower of Jesus I want to be. It's the follower of Jesus I want you to be. And I think that that's what you want too. So let's live into generosity. Let's live live into love. Let's live into meeting the material needs of others, of seeking justice and righteousness. And let's live into seeing the kingdom of heaven come on earth. Thank you so much for joining me for this message series, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.